The Large Ships of Antiquity by Larry Pierce. Originally published June 2000. Each generation produces a fresh crop of skeptics who are legends in their own minds. Seach Spurgeon Riley said about such men in his day, It is but the shallowness of his mind that permits him to see the bottom of his knowledge. We should not be surprised that we are awash today with such experts, falsely so-called. The Apostle Peter warned us that this would be the case in 2 Peter 3.3. It has become fashionable to scoff at anything biblical. Noah's Ark has never failed to be the target of skeptics and the butt of many jokes. Everyone knows, for instance, that you cannot build a boat as large as Noah did from wood, even using today's advanced technology. Only when ships were made of steel in the last hundred years or so, we are told, has man been able to build a ship approaching the biblical dimensions of Noah's Ark, 137 meters long, 23 meters wide, and 14 meters high. But these so-called experts display their ignorance of history in making such statements. Let's look at what ships the ancients actually built, some of which were almost as large as the Ark. In the writings of Pliny the Elder, 23-79 to 79 AD, I discovered this table about ships of antiquity. This documents the rapid advances the ancients made in shipbuilding technology in just a few centuries. The time period in the table is from about 17th century BC to the end of the 3rd century BC. When we think of warships of antiquity, we think of tiny ships that were shown in a movie like Ben-Hur. They had about 50 or so men and a single tier of oars. This was the best Hollywood could do in a limited budget. It may reflect our evolutionary thinking that the ancients were primitive compared to us. While we may flatter ourselves with our supposed knowledge of ancient history, the actual facts that come down to us tell us another story. From this table in Pliny, we can see a rapid rise in technology over a few hundred years which culminated in a ship of 40 tiers of oars. When we say 40 tiers, we mean 40 levels of rowers. Now the question is, do we have any descriptions of these ships so that we can comprehend how large they really were? Fortunately, we have a good description of one of the early 3rd century ships and an excellent description of the largest ship Pliny lists. There was a naval battle in the Aegean Sea in 280 BC. The following is Usher's description of what happened. When Antigonus, surnamed Gonatus, the son of Demetrius Poliarcides, heard how Sir Lucas was murdered, he made an expedition into Macedonia. He planned to get there before Seranus could, with his army and naval forces. However, Seranus had all Lysimachus' fleet in readiness, and set out and met him in a good battle formation at sea. In his navy, ships were sent from Heraclea in Pontus, some of six, some of five tiers of oars. These kinds of ships were called Aphracta. The largest ship of all had eight tiers of oars and was called the Leontifera, she was admired by all for her large size and exquisite construction. In her were a hundred oars per tier, so that on each side there were eight hundred rowers, which made sixteen hundred in all. On the upper deck, or hatches, there were twelve hundred fighting men who were under two special commanders. When the battle began, 
Serranus won, and Antigonus was forced to flee with all his navy. In this fight, the ships from Heraclea performed the best, and among them the Larentifera did the best of all. We are not given the dimensions of the ship. However, the oarsmen on each tier would have to be at least three feet apart, the approximate distance between airline seats. Has anyone ever complained of having too much space between airline seats? For 100 rowers per tier, allowing for a bow and a stern, this ship could have easily been 120 to 150 meters long. The next ship I describe had 50 oars in a tier and was over 120 meters long. If I was in that battle in a ship, I definitely would not want to be in the path of Leontifera's ramming prow. Also consider these battles were not fought in an afternoon. With a crew of over 3,000 men, think of the provisions it would have had to carry. Plutarch briefly describes the fleet from Demetrius built around 294 BC. These were the largest ships built at that time. Although Plutarch gives no dimensions, he does state the following. Up until this time, no man had seen a ship of 15 or 16 banks of oars. However, in the ships of Demetrius, their beauty did not mar their fighting qualities, nor did the magnificence of their equipment rob them of their usefulness but they had a speed and effectiveness which was more remarkable than their great size. Athenus gives us a detailed description of a very large warship built by Ptolemy Philopater, circa 244 to 205 BC. It was 130 meters long, 18 meters wide, and 22 meters high on the top of her gunwale. From the top of its stern post to the waterline was 24 meters. It had four steering oars 14 meters long, and it had 40 tiers of oars. The oars on the uppermost tier were 18 meters long. The oars were counterbalanced with lead to make them easier to handle. It had a double bow and a double stern and carried seven rams, of which one was the leader and the others were of gradually reducing size. It had 12 undergirders 275 meters long. The ship was manned by 400 sailors to handle the rigging and the sails, 4,000 rowers and 2,850 men-in-arms for a total of 7,250 men. And this ship was too large to be of much practical use. Some things of interest about this ship, though. First, there was no forest worth mentioning in Egypt. All the lumber had to be imported from elsewhere, likely Lebanon, this ship had a crew that was almost twice as large as that of the largest aircraft carrier we have ever built, and the size of the ship approximated the size of Noah's Ark. Like Noah's Ark, it would have had to carry provisions for all on board. What I wouldn't give to get a time machine to go back and capture that ship on film. Athenus describes other very large ships and boats of antiquity. One ship had a catapult designed by Archimedes that could hurl a 55-kilogram, a 120-pound stone over 180 meters, 600 feet. What should we learn from this? Firstly, we're not as smart as we think we are. Just because we cannot duplicate something that was done thousands of years ago, it does not mean the ancients could not do it either. Secondly, we should learn from history. We have nothing to fear from the study of true history, which supports the Bible. In fact, we have much to learn. 
From these accounts we have given, it is obvious mankind was able to build huge ships that rivaled Noah's Ark in size. We do not know how it was done, but they did it. I love science topics and a good article that teases a debate between creationists and skeptics, but I don't have a lot of time in a week to read books or attend seminars. That's why Creation Ministries International delivers this podcast right to your phone to listen to on your commute or at the gym. It's still important that people like us that are on the go learn what God's Word has to say and the arguments that creationists use to rely on the authority of Scripture and make sense of secular science claims. Our ministry's goal is to support the church at large in proclaiming the truth of the Bible and thus its gospel message. We provide real-world answers to the most asked questions in the vital area of origins laid out in the book of Genesis, where the Bible is most under attack today. Your prayerful and regular support is really appreciated. You can learn more about the conferences we host or invite one of our speakers to come to your church at creation.com. I am Joseph Darnell. For all of us at creation.com, thanks for listening.